Hey everyone, welcome to Unrefined Women. I am your co-host Agnes. And finally for this week's episode, we have a guest. And this guest is our wonderful, wonderful friend Joy. Um, We have been admiring her work on social media and I've just been so obsessed with everything that she's been doing. And we've only met, I think, once or twice. It was a little exchange that we had when Margaret had bought one of her shirts from her business. And since then, we've just had each other on social media, and we finally asked her to be on the podcast. So I hope that you guys learn a lot from what she has to say in this episode. I know that I did. And honestly, this is probably one of the funnest episodes we've ever done. I've never laughed so much, and I'm so, so excited for you guys to meet her. Joy is an international sovereignty and empowerment coach living her wildest life in the jungles of Costa Rica. She is obsessed with encouraging women to be their most uncultivated self, decolonizing their minds and remembering the wisdom of their bodies through yoga and empowerment. She loves singing in the jungle, praying to the ocean, training Muay Thai and riding her motorcycle. She is incredibly passionate about helping women alchemize their stories and pain to find their purpose and bringing them back to their wild free nature. Her latest project, Untamed, a rewilding experience, seeks to do just that through daily connections to the elements, sisterhood bonding, and implementing sacred living. Though academia was her original career path, she has found much deeper wisdom through cultural exploration, medicine work, and the journey within herself to uncover her soul's mission. She considers her greatest medicine to be her laughter, her joy, and the ability to listen with love. What time is it where you are right now? 12.05 p.m. So I didn't realize I was in between... Dallas time and Vegas time. Okay. Wow. Time so we're like all stacked up. Fuck. Why does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of all stacked up on top of each other. We're I didn't know. Cause I know like, I didn't, times. yeah, I didn't know mm. if you were like a three hour time difference or something crazy. So I thought it was central standard, but I don't, I don't actually know. Yeah. How long have you lived in Costa Rica now? Oh, man, I've been, like, coming in and out of Costa Rica for about nine years. Oh, wow. Um, This time around, I've been here for... mm -hmm, This time I've been here for a year. Um, The last time I lived here, I was, like, 2017, 2018. I was for a year and a half, and then I went back to Canada, and I was like, oh, I'm going to save up money and come back and buy land. And then I got the pandemic happened and then I was trapped. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody save me. (laughs) And then I saved myself. (laughs) Are you, are you originally from Canada? Yeah. Um, I'm from a little town on the border of Detroit called Windsor, Ontario. We are the motor city of Canada. Okay. A very salt of the earth place with manufacturing leanings and not a lot of dreams so mm-hmm. I was kind of an anomaly that just kind of like broke three broke free and left and uh people still think I'm crazy <laughs> in Canada like, they I think mean, you left <laughs> yeah uh, well, yeah for especially for my hometown because it's like very blue collar very like midwestern yeah and uh you know it's just like people are like pretty happy with their homes and their like garage bar and 
you know, just regular. And they're great people. I love the people from my hometown, but I don't want to live there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. So when did you move to, like, what made you leave Canada? So I was, I was 27. So this was like almost a decade ago now. And I come back from living in Vancouver for five years. Vancouver's hella expensive. So I was like, I want to travel. I can't, and I wanted to upgrade my marks, go towards getting my PhD because I always wanted to be uh, a professor Mm -hmm. and uh, went back to school and decided very quickly that I didn't want to spend the next eight years pursuing formal education. Mm -hmm. So I just started bartending in two jobs, saving money to go on like my dream backpacking trip to South America. I was going to go all over. I want to go to Argentina and Chile and do all the things. And then boom, there was this very big blizzard that happened. And I was like, I'm out. (laughs) Like I literally booked a flight for like two days from that moment and went down to Costa Rica by myself. I was like, I'm going to learn to surf. It's going to be cool. Then I'll go back and like keep saving money. Within three days, I found a job at the, at the bar, at the hostel that I was working at, and I literally didn't go back. Like, oh, my goodness. I stayed in Costa Rica, actually, for three months. I met a Panamanian man, fell in love, moved to Panama for six months, broke up with him, moved to, went to California, back to Costa Rica, and then that's that was like a decade of my life. Kind of wow. Like all, all over the world, Asia, lived in Australia, Sri Lanka, you know, a lot of Costa Rica time, a lot of California time. Ooh, gives me like and, eat, pray, uh, love vibes. I know. <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert, we love it. A, a little more PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm a little more 50 shades of gray in there. <laughs> I'm sure the eat, pray, love was definitely like edited down a little bit. Some stories I can't tell of my... <laughs> That's true. That's true. I give her respect. She's probably doing some... some cool things. When in Bali. Yeah. (laughs) Do some mushrooms. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah. I hear that's the thing. I hear that's the thing. (laughs) But Costa Rica has given me so much because I really think that that's why I appreciate my wild woman because the land here is so powerful and strong and nurturing and she just like shows you what's real she holds you and she'll Mm. kick you out if you're not like on that vibe and she'll she'll just teach you the lessons that you need you know the jungle and like pachamama like this aspect of like this wild feminine is really alive here Mm. and so it's just nurtured this part of my soul that like never would have been nurtured if i would have stayed in canada so i know that this is my you know i was told by the plants to come back here after i was traveling last year after i left canada i literally like escaped Canada in, in my like a refugee <laughs> like, how do I get out of this place <laughs> they're like closing the borders and stuff I'm like no this is giving me dictatorship vibes I gotta go <laughs> so I, I left it and went to like live with my sister in Detroit for a while then to um Nevada I stayed in Nevada with some friends and then was trying to decide whether I was going to go to LA and pursue my clothing brand my the Velvet Arsenal which is how uh-huh. I met Margaret and uh, um I I decided to go and camp in uh in in salt lake city or with my friends go to go and i found the earth again it was like the mountains called me back my wild nature like called me back and for the first time in a year and a half i remembered who i was and like i i i I felt like i had fallen apart through the pandemic and being stuck in my house and like almost like losing so much hope and went through a really bad relationship, lost a friend to suicide, through a miscarriage. And I was like going through all this grieving including leaving my country. And then the, like, I, I got to the mountains, the mountains were like, shh, child, 
it's okay now. <laughs> Go back to Costa Rica. <laughs> uh, Shh, child. <laughs> so I love, I love that you actually talked about the earth and the plants like speaking to you because that is so, oh, so yeah. powerful. And like, I have also been tapping into that the last few years and just like mm. how you mentioned, like she is holding you and I love that. But do you feel like you had that same experience with the earth when you were living in Canada or even in the U.S.? Like, how was the difference there? Um, so I feel very connected to, like, the forest in Canada, like the forest yeah. where I grew up. There's this, like, obviously there's, like, cedar and there's this really almost like an eerie quiet to the forest. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the jungle, it's loud. Right. There's, you can hear every time there's monkeys, there's cicadas, there's everything. It's so, so, so loud. And I really remember when the last time I moved back to Canada, just being like, I miss the forest from where I'm from, you know? Um, but then when I moved back to my hometown, I realized that it's pretty deforested. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So I didn't really get to feel that. And I felt really sad about that. You know, there's like some parks. But it's not like you're in the wilderness, you know, yeah. you're not in the wilderness. Yeah. So, um, and when I travel through the States, like growing up on the border of the States, we were really, we would always, me and my parents go for road trips through the States. So I really feel deeply connected to the States and how interesting it is geographically. Like you can drive through several States and be like, you know, in a desert, then in like high altitude, crazy forest. And, you know, it's just changing, changing, changing. So I feel so connected and it's an interesting thing. Like when I left Michigan and went to Nevada, the desert medicine held me in a way that I really needed. And I think that there's, and that's quiet medicine too. Like the desert has this very eerie, like the mirage vibes, mm -hmm. you know? Where oh, it's I like, love it. I love it. Yeah. Burning man. Like the alchemist, you know, <laughs> like with the alchemy thing, you know, that's the, the vibe of the, the desert. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it could spook you too, you know? <laughs> like that. But they all have their medicine, and I think that it calls to us at certain times for certain reasons, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to be in the mountains. Sometimes you need to be, you know, where there's certain kinds of trees, at least for me, because I can hear them, you know? And I think everybody has the ability to hear the plants and hear the land, and they, we just need to tap back into that, you know? That's so interesting hearing you talk about that because I've, I have not moved around as much as you have in your life, but like I have moved around and Agnes has too, like both of us were born and raised in the Chicago area in Illinois. So very Midwest. Um, and then I lived in Georgia for a period of time, just a short period. And then in Denver, Colorado, then Nevada for 10 years. And now here I am. I just moved to Dallas a few months ago and so I've kind of been all over too. And I, I absolutely yeah. resonate with what you're saying. And I think that's true. Like each place, like the, the landscape, the plants, the nature, it has a certain quality to it, a certain um, resonance and it, a certain medicine that you need. And I think I'm kind of going through this strange phase where like, mm -hmm. I didn't choose to move to Dallas, just life circumstances brought me here. And I'm going through this period of grieving the loss of what I had in Nevada grieving the loss of of the landscape there and but then there's also the new excitement of being in a new place and I'm not quite sure what Dallas has in store for me I'm excited for it but I'm still kind of waiting for that to unfold so yeah 
do you feel like you kind of have that experience too when you move to a new place is do you miss like do you miss the medicine from the last place but is do you also feel the sense of completion of like I was there I learned something and now I'm in this new place and I'm I'm eager and excited for what's about to unfold Oof, so much yes all to all of it um I think that when we move, uh, like you said, like each place has its medicine. So there's some kind of grieving, you know, when we transition um, and honoring that piece of like grief can be medicine too for us, you know, like, okay, you've left the desert, you've left Nevada. And, and there's like this sadness that comes with that in, in intertwined with the excitement of the new place. And I mean, it's different when you don't really get to choose, but it gives you that a fresh opportunity to explore okay now what is the medicine here in dallas for me like what is this holding like there's a reason even especially maybe because you didn't choose it you know especially because fate brought you there if we like to use the word fate um but but there's some medicine there for you that you maybe you you don't understand and you yet but you will you know and mm -hmm. so this transitional thing i think that um excitement and fear kind of are on the same spectrum emotionally so it's like this little yes. bit of fear and uh, but you can kind of transmute that you know you can can you transmute that fear into excitement because i think that that can be a really powerful way to to overcome those like transition times you know get excited yeah <laughs> yeah and i also yeah. know like I've done a lot of research as well on like the feelings of anxiety and like anxiety, excitement, fear, um, also like the feeling of like falling in love, like butterflies, like that's all like pretty much the same thing. Like it's really weird. It's just like how you channel it, like what your confidence levels are. So yeah, I, I actually, I love what you said and I've like moved so much in my life. Like um, I lived in Oregon for a while. I've lived in Chicago. I recently lived in LA for a year. Now I live in Phoenix, Arizona. And then along with that, I've like traveled to maybe 30 something states in my life. So mm -hmm. like I have moved a lot and like very young ages. I moved out of my mom's house when I was 17 years old. So, and like everywhere I lived, it's like you have such a, uh, like a grief with it. Right. And like, such uh -huh. a love-hate relationship with like where you came from as well as where you're going totally. <laughs> it's like yeah, you were really traumatic but yeah and then you have that I feeling and then like a year later you're like oh my god i missed that like <laughs> right and then you go back for two weeks and you're like okay bye <laughs> <laughs> go again. yeah yeah oh, yeah oh my goodness but i think an interesting thing, because we kind of all have been movers, mm -hmm. like, a little bit through our lives, and I think about that ancestrally, and so mm. many of our ancestors would have been nomadic, right? Mm -hmm. And But also, there's people who really, like my mom, she's just, like, grown up in Windsor, stayed in Windsor her whole life, doesn't have really a desire to move, doesn't have a really desire to travel, and I think, like, our ancestors are different, you know? Like, even, though, like, our souls came into these bodies, and she's my mom, but she was from a different tribe than me, <laughs> like, back in the day, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, she likes to be, like, put. And I love change. And so maybe you can resonate with that, like, a little bit of a feeling of, like, the change is, like, fiery, you know? It helps to helps to keep you growing and yeah. helps to keep you – it almost feels natural to, like, move a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and to kind of change the environment up. And I think that that – it stirs our soul to, to, it challenges us in, in really good ways, you know? Okay. Like 
have to start over that it's scary it's terrifying it's exciting so and striving for that feeling of being alive like very I feel like we don't really feel that very often in our life in our lives and lately I've been really reflecting on like what makes me feel alive like what gives me that fear excitement like those butterflies like what makes me so present in this moment and I think that's what's what I just realized right now like why moving is so important because it just gives us a sense of like being alive and (laughs) But what things. does make you feel alive? What Ooh. makes you feel alive? Um, see, that's the question I have. Um, there's just <laughs> it's just so many like really random things. Like, well, right now I love journaling. So like journaling has been making me feel alive and just like really what? tap into that. Like reading books, I love that. And even just recording our podcast episodes, like it just brings my like you think of like your perspective and it's going in so many different directions and then when you feel alive like it just kind of like like (laughs) it just like Uh kind of pulls back and it's very centered and that like just small random moments in my life and that's what's so that's what life is about just like pulling that perspective back into just like one centered space and just living in that and dancing in that I think that's just so important yeah (laughs) You're like gospel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Like that's I think when you when you're when you're living your purpose, that's fucking what fires you up. You know, you get so excited because it's like, you know, when you say you're recording your podcast, it's because like this is like what it's your thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's what you're doing. It's like how you're kind of getting to express yourself right. in this world right now. And and so it's firing you up and making you feel alive in a way that like is exactly how I feel when I like go into a coaching call or come off a coaching call and someone's going through transformation or like the fire I felt planning my retreat or doing these things because it's like this is what I'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. you know that's like actually what I'm supposed to be doing as far as like the last 10 years of my life because kind of traveling around it was like I was collecting knowledge and collecting wisdom and pieces that now can make up me stepping into my purpose and being in alignment right and I think being in alignment it's super exciting and sometimes it can feel almost boring mm. because you're like centered, you know? And when it reminded me of this, when you said the thing about the butterflies, cause um, I read once and you know, whatever, it's <laughs> a million different perspectives out there, whatever you read, mm-hmm. but it's like that feeling of butterflies when you meet someone new is actually anxiety. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's like not yeah. healthy. <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> butterflies run away. <laughs> like they should make your, your nervous system feel calm and good. And like, the you know like this calmness is like sometimes feels boring right yeah. like even in relationships so like oh our relationship is so calm and lovely and boring <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be boring all the time but it shouldn't be like so drama filled all the time where you're like in fight or flight you know yeah like, yeah minimize that shit i th- i think it took time for me to learn that oh, lesson yeah. i kind of um i know like after i went through a divorce and then like when i met my partner now Casey like things were so calm when I was around him and I realized that it like it takes time to learn to be attracted to what's good for you and so like just speaking to like what you said like when I was with Casey it was like everything was very calm and very grounded and I wasn't nervous and that's when I knew it was like oh my gosh all my past relationships were these roller coasters with all this drama all the time and that wasn't healthy (laughs) So, yeah. Mm-mm. So when I, yeah, I want to, before we sending you signals, telling you things mm-hmm. and like, oh my yeah. God, this is something I'm. So before we jump into like your coaching and all the exciting stuff that you're doing, 
Um, I'm so curious to hear the story behind how you claimed the no- the, the name Joy. Because I think you put something on your Instagram. Because when I met you, you were going by Brit. And now you go by Joy. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, it's my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, it's a funny story because so growing up, I hated my name always because to me, Britney was like Britney Spears. And I was like a little punk rocker. And I was like, fuck Britney Spears. She ruined my name. Like, your music is crap. Like, I was like so anti like pop music and all this stuff. So all the way growing up and I was a server for a long time. And I'd be like, hi, my name is Britney. I'll be taking care of you today. People be like, oh, Britney, like Britney Spears. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I get so mad. And so, like, my friends back home call me BB, like Brit is what my parents call me. And um, I, I was always holding this name Joy. And, like, that's my middle name. And it's connected to my grandmother. Like, my grandmother was Edna Joyce. My mom is Elizabeth Joyce. And then I got Britney Joy. So it's a lineage name. And my grandmother is definitely the reason I'm a badass. Like, you know, it kind of skips a generation. She's super, super cool, wild woman. And um, I was literally at this dinner last year, about a year ago now, and I was talking to this man named Merlin, obviously not his real name. And I was like, oh, like, I just feel like I resonate a lot more with my middle name now and not, like, not my first name. And he goes, well, what's stopping you? And I'm like, oh, I guess it's just me. (laughs) I'm Joy, bitches. So that's, that's how it happened. And then it was like such a funny transition. Like your old friends are like obviously never going to like change. Yeah. <laughs> like call you. So then it turns into me having to be like, oh, I'm Brittany Joy, but you can call me Joy because my best friends are calling me Brit all the time and I'm introducing myself as Joy. People are getting confused. So it's like this hilarious transition of like, who are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's in a name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I claim this because it's my medicine and I have this big laugh and I have this big personality and this big energy and it's for a reason. So here I am. (laughs) So when you moved to Costa Rica this time, did you move there as Brit or did you move there as Joy? I was Brit for a month. (laughs) (laughs) And I love this conversation because it also leans into like accepting all your personalities. (laughs) Yes. You know, like, I feel like we all have so many archetypes inside of us that we get to be. And it's like, oh, maybe like my old, like really drunk self when I was in my drinking days, my friends would call me Litany. (laughs) I love that. I don't like her no more. (laughs) She got to stay away. (laughs) But she's in there. Like, she's definitely in there. She didn't leave. She just, she's on timeout for the rest of my life. Like, be all of you, you know, like, let, let all of you out. Like, I'm big on that. I'm big on that. <laughs> I yeah. really love that you say that because for me, I'm, I'm like that. Like, I have a very obnoxious laugh. In high school, everyone always called me the loud person because I just, like, when I laughed, I was, like, it's almost like a scream. Like, your body is just <laughs> erupting, like, snorting, like, can't breathe, like, <laughs> and I was always like that and then as I got older I started to more tap into like more of a peaceful side of myself and it's almost like I went through a period and even like now like I struggle like what side of me do I want to be like do I want to like portray especially with social media and how like connected we are like how many people we know in our lives and people we interact with in our lives and it's like very difficult to like find that like balance of like do I be 
the crazy side of Agnes or do I be like the very calm and like serene and inviting and I listen a lot. Like, <laughs> but I, uh-huh. I actually really like that you say that you adapt all parts of yourself. Cause I think that's so, so important. Cause like you can't just choose when like life is like, we're not movie characters. We're not book characters. Like we're right. Every personality. So. Right. And there's a place for both of those pieces of you. There's a place for this serene, quiet version of yourself. And maybe you're like holding space for a friend or like on the podcast and like you, you're kind of conducting things. Mm-hmm. And then maybe when you get to be with your friends and you get to be your fullest expression and like that big loud laugh that you have is medicine, you know, yeah. like that big loud laugh needs to come out and make people laugh. Because a lot of times, I don't know, you can probably relate. It's like people are laughing at your laugh, maybe not even what you're saying. For me, that's fine. Even me, <laughs> I'll be laughing, laughing at my own laugh. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's totally fine. <laughs> if everybody's smiling, it's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I love those people. I love those people that have like the really infectious laughs that are really unique and they're laughing and it like makes you feel so good. Then you're laughing because you're laughing about what like just the energy and what's being said, but then you're also laughing about the laugh and it just, it just keeps going. (laughs) I know. Like it's like, I make a joke and then I laugh at myself and I don't care if anybody else is laughing. I think I'm funny. I know I'm funny. Mm -hmm. So then if they're (laughs) laughing at my laugh instead of my joke, it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm laughing at me. You're laughing at me. We're all just having a great time. That's what. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember though in high school at some moment I was like, I've got to change this laugh. Boys are never going to like me if I laugh like this. So I tried really genuinely, which is not true by the way. Boys like it. (laughs) But I couldn't change it. Like for anyone out there, you cannot. I don't have that self control. No, absolutely not. Why do you want to even do that? Yeah. Right. Why, why do we even want to like try to self-control our laugh? So you do yoga as well. Are you a yoga teacher uh, as well as practicing yoga yourself? Yes. Ooh. Okay. So yoga, because we were talking about the, 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 this sort of like dichotomy of like having our full expressive selves and then having the more quiet centered part of ourselves. So does yoga, is that sort of a space where you kind of, ground yourself and and find yourself more centered and calm Mm -hmm. oh my goodness yes it's like for me it's not it's not the asana side like that movement side it's like one aspect of yoga and um the yogic philosophy changed my life like I grew up like you guys I really enjoyed your podcast on Christian colonization by the way (laughs) I love that um but I grew up in a very Christian very evangelical Christian home so that was my framework you know and um yoga was like eastern mysticism like my mom still won't do yoga you know she thinks it's weird it's hinduism it's all this and hinduism's really cool (laughs) (laughs) like you can learn a lot from like the different aspects of the gods and goddesses doesn't mean we have to believe that they're real you can or not but it's like learning about god through different personality types Mm -hmm. so learning like i probably did yoga for 13 years before I ever thought I was like good enough to go to yoga school and be a yoga teacher, which is, you know, working through your own shit. (laughs) But, um, when I, when I got there and I started learning about the philosophy, I was like, Whoa, this is not ever taught in yoga class. Like I don't learn about, um, like these deep meditations and practices and mantras and all of these different things that have literally changed my life now. And like three years sit post yoga teacher training. Um, 
and I have completely changed my practices. Like I wake up every single morning and I do breath work and I meditate before I go out and have my coffee, before I talk to anybody, before I touch my phone. And to me, that's critical. It's critical to set my day up for success in that way. You know, learning these, um, the one yoga, the breath that I use is called Analoma Balong. So you're like kind of alternate nostril breathing balances the hemispheres of your brain, yo. <laughs> like, that's how I want to start my day. I need to, you know, I'm, especially when you have a lot of energy and you have a lot of, um, you know, wildness, it's so good to balance it. Like you're saying with that, like the dichotomy of meditation and, and, um, going inside this whole aspect of self-exploration, which was really new for me because, you know, as it, uh, uh, in Christian philosophy, it's all external. God is outside of you. You're a sinner. You need his help. It's all like this. Well, in, in yoga philosophy, every single being on earth, the trees, us, the dirt, everything has a piece of God inside. Mm -hmm. And, and you use the breath work and you use the meditation and the mantras to, to tap into that side of yourself and to tap into your inner witness. And so this for me was like, a revolutionary idea, you know, that, um, and it kind of took away like the new weird new agey spirituality of like, Oh, I'm God and you're God and all this. It's like, no, we all have a piece of God. And that piece is your witness. So what part of you has been the same since you were three? What part of you is the part of you that is watching your actions and can be like this objective observer. That's your higher self. She's always there. She's always watching. And that's what I learned through yogic philosophy and that has been so instrumental in um, everything that I teach and everything that I practice and in really like centering myself and feeling like I have a, a basis for my own personal success coming from that space. That's really cool. And my husband actually recently got his yoga teaching certification, which is like, he's not, he works in construction. He's in the military. He's very, like, I've so never cool. seen him like that. And within this last year, like just the energy of this year has really brought him back to like his more, like the more, he's not like a spiritual person, but just more of a like calm person, if that makes sense, which is mm. spirituality. Um, so he mm -hmm. decided to take it. And when he was taking his certification, like he was telling me all of that stuff. And I think that's really important for everybody to know. And even just like, like at first I always thought like yoga as a practice in general, like whether you're teaching it or just, you know, going to classes, um, feeling like I'm not ready to do it, you know, but at the end of the day, like there are yoga classes everywhere. Like you, you can get yoga at your gym. I get yoga at my gym and just going and showing up, you realize that everybody in that classroom, like, doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Like, most of those people are new people anyway. Like, I can't go through, like, I mostly do yin yoga, which is, like, very lazy. <laughs> like, taking a nap. It's not lazy. It's good. I bring a hoodie and sweatpants and fuzzy socks to yin yoga. <laughs> and sometimes I'll, like, challenge myself and do, like, a yoga flow on a Sunday morning. I can't do any of that shit. Like... <laughs> I'm just like standing there, like watching the other people. Um, but even just like Girl, showing up in a yoga space is so, so important just for like your self-confidence, for your spirituality, like for your body, like all these different things. Um, so that's like where, like where I've noticed like yoga can be so beneficial, but for you, for you, when did you start to like, what, 
what encouraged you and motivated you to go down that path? Like, were you always into yoga or is this more of a new, newer thing? Yeah, no, I started at the gym too. And like, I, gracias for gym yoga, because that's how a lot of people feel like comfortable to like enter into a yeah. yoga practice. So I feel like I was probably doing yoga for like four years before I even ever realized how you're supposed to breathe. And that was revolutionary because if you're not breathing right, it's all about breathing. All yoga is you can sit there and just breathe consciously and you're doing yoga. Like that's yeah. it. And if you want to try breath work, like pranayama breathing, I'll hook you up. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe it's something that you would like better than like the asana practice. So like pranayama is, it's like part of yoga, you know, doing the breathing. But I, I, yeah, like I, I went down, I, the, the asana path more, like the, the, the physical aspect path until I went to yoga school and um it was actually really cool because very recently I had like a full circle moment I was able to like go and assist and work on a yoga teacher training with my teacher and mentor Adi Shakti and um so like three years after I went to yoga school I got to teach at yoga school so that was like a level up I feel like I stepped into like understanding these ways like a lot more and how and how it can really help your life and like the calmness aspect, but also, also, and this ties into rewilding, it gives you the opportunity to listen to your body. So like when we start, you know, it, you're more conscious of what your body is saying to you. Uh, in a yoga class, it's a little more slow. It's a little more guided in the sense of like, other than like a gym workout or something like that, you know, you're, you're saying like, <clears throat> okay, feel what your hips feel like or like, do you feel any emotion stored there? Things like that. So it's like connecting your physical and your spiritual or your physical and your emotional in a bigger way. You mm-hmm. know, it's like putting all the pieces together. So I I think our path forward, especially as women, because we have a, such a cyclical nature and we have such a, um, we have such strong messages from our body when we listen, um, that's our path towards like decolonizing our, our, our healthcare and our, um, the way that we treat our bodies, because when we are listening, like our body's sending us messages. If your liver hurts, it's sending you a message. So if you're just take a Tylenol so that you don't feel it anymore, chances are that's probably just going to get worse. You know, it's mm. not, you didn't fix it. You just made it so you couldn't feel it anymore. So if you can sit and meditate with your liver and ask your liver what's wrong, you can actually get answers, but we have to teach you. That's a skill. You know, that's, that's body intuition. That's, that's listening. And there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack. That's uh, it's a blessing that we have in being in these bodies. Being human's awesome. The most spiritual thing we can do is be human. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a while to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's so powerful because I feel like so much of our healthcare system is about just sort of canceling out the symptoms. It's focusing on the symptoms and not the root of the problem. And I hear this a lot from other women. Um, I've talked with other women about this, especially in women's healthcare. Like we go to the doctor and we have certain things, concerns that we have, certain symptoms we're experiencing, pains we're experiencing, and we're constantly gaslit into thinking that it's just all in our head or it's really not that bad. And I think, like you said, it's so important for us to be able to come, get tapped into our own bodies and, and to some, I mean, to decolonize the whole system because it's not helping anybody. It's just teaching us to numb ourselves. Exactly. And that's so much of what Western medicine does. So it's like, can we integrate this more holistic approach where it's like mind, body, spirit, health for real, for real, you know, like that is like, that's, 
that's how we make sure we're healthy and that's not what western medicine does western medicine is amazing for putting you back together after you have a car crash like emergency medicine right. is crazy like what they're able to do to keep you alive that's cool and when we have deeper problems they don't have a lot of answers because they're not treating us as a as a complete individual in yogic anatomy there's like five layers the koshas you know starting outside with the body then the energetic layer the pranic layer and all the all the way down the most subtle version of ourselves is our bliss body the anamaya kosha and that means in our anatomy we have bliss we have joy we have this inner oasis you know of beauty <laughs> And we don't learn about that. We don't learn about like our natural essence in our in our birthright is like that's when people are like, oh, your birthright is is uh, pleasure. Well, that it's like bliss, you know. That's what it is. You can tap into that. But yeah, listening to the subtleties of our body is man. I, I can't I can't even say enough about <laughs> how irritated I am by Western medicine, especially <laughs> through this whole pandemic experience. But we won't go there. <laughs> I'm like, they are failing us, my friends. They are failing us. Can we, like, find a different approach now? It's quite obvious. <laughs> and, yeah. like, using the good aspects, but it, it even I even think about things that are really important, like things like chemotherapy and things that are doing, like, uh, you know, maybe saving people's lives, but also hurting people. And, like, in 10 years, are we going to look back and be like, what were we doing? <laughs> that was barbaric, mm -hmm. you know? Like, maybe. Yeah. I mean, and just the fact that like our society and the way that we work and the amount of stress we're under, you know, we don't look at what's causing this cancer. I mean, I think the level of stress that we hold in our bodies and the stress yeah. that comes from there's the oppressive systems all around us, too, and the grind culture, you know, and how that's giving us so many diseases. But, you know, we can't talk about that because... You know, if we talk about that, then the people in power are going to lose power and they're not going to be profiting off of our labor and our illnesses. <laughs> the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's so much of what it is, too, you know. Yeah, so. definitely. So can you speak a little bit about the work you're doing now? You're in Costa Rica. You're practicing yoga, you're coaching, and you told me a little bit about some other exciting stuff that's in the works. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So, um, I so the, my coaching program is called the Sovereign Soul. That is um, like a mentorship program to teach us how to be sovereign beings. This is so important to me, and it goes along with everything that we've just been speaking about, whether it's like body autonomy. Um, decolonizing our mind, like all of these aspects and like coming into understanding our body and our, our mind. We're so powerful. We are so, so, so powerful, you know, as, as beings. And that has been stripped from us for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, we can look back in the Catholic church, the witch burnings and all this stuff. It's because women are powerful women, humans, but women specifically are so powerful. And we've been like systematically stripped from that. So my passion is to regain that and help others to regain that. So that kind of started uh, a year or so ago, um, developing this, this program. And um, last year when I got back to this land, this beautiful, beautiful land of Costa Rica, I had like a channel from Creator. Um, and it was just uh, a gift of this retreat that I'm, that I'm, um, that I've created now or that I've made into action. Uh, it's called Untamed. And it's about rewilding and reconnecting to the elements. So um, there's a lot of ways, you know, rewilding is like um, 
it, for me, it's so exciting because it really means like kind of decolonizing ourselves and coming like shirking the patriarchy and coming back to like what really is our essence? What's our true self? What is the part of us that is the tree, you know? Um, and so doing that, there's a lot of ways you can do that. Even going back to eating differently, eating like ancestrally, um, you know, could trigger some vegans out there, no offense, but like a lot of the times where I was a vegetarian for 10 years, you know, and a lot of it was made, decisions were made because of um, environmental reasons and loving animals and stuff like that. But when we really sit in and ask our bodies what they want to eat, they want to eat how our ancestors ate. So that means like intermittent fasting and stuff like that, even those like little pieces can really help our bodies to like integrate into those old ways because that's how we would have eaten. You know, we would have been hunting and then not eating for a while and giving our body time to rest and not be digesting and it's reset our hormones. It's really good for our mm -hmm. hormones. Um, so anyway, there's lots and lots of ways um, that you can like rewild yourself. But what I'm focusing on right now, because it really lights me up, is is reconnecting to the elements. So my retreat is like every each day we're going to reconnect to an element. Um, so on fire day, we're going to sit in a Tamascala sweat lodge and we're going to purify like that and and really like tap into the wisdom of each element as it goes, you know. And so I'm bringing these women down to the jungle to this amazing farm on the top of a waterfall that we're going <gasps> to eat all farm-to-table food, and we're going to connect the elements every single day. And at the last night, we're going to spend the night in a cave. We're going to hike to the tallest waterfall in Costa Rica. And all I want is for these women to come down and, like, be in the tropical rain and rub dirt all over their faces and like reintegrate with the earth and understand that that is what, how we are beautiful. And I think we've just been sold such a load of crap as far as what beauty standards are for women. I mean, obviously it's capitalistic gain to, to make us feel ugly and gross and fat and all these things just so we can be sold things. It's like classic marketing. It's like use the pain points, right? If, you, if they make us feel that we're never good enough, we want to keep buying all the things to make us good enough, you know? And I am just super here to say that that is a load of BS. <laughs> and it's time to, like, reintegrate the earth and nature with our inner selves. And, and that is going to make you feel beautiful, you know? Like, that is where you can, like, tap into, like, your soul and the beauty in your soul. Beauty is a soul quality. You know, and it, that from the inside radiates out and then you look beautiful to everyone around you because you're shiny or you're ovulating like I'm ovulating right now. So I feel shiny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, estrogen. <laughs> Thanks, estrogen. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously good. I'm passionate about this right now. Not right now, but for life, I think. <laughs> yeah. So when is the retreat happening? Um, November 4th to 11th, um, okay. it's in this valley in Costa Rica and I call it the sacred valley of Costa Rica. It's called the Diamante Valley and there's a lot of medicine work being done there and the land is really strong. It's sort of like a cloud cover situation and there will be rain. I'm providing everyone with rain boots, <laughs> but part <laughs> of that is like the cleansing aspect of it. You know what I mean? The waters, the waters to clean your soul, you know, the waters to wash over you and just to feel um, refreshed, you know, and to, mm -hmm. to get out of, get away from everything that has conditioned us, you know, um, I'm big into like affirmations and stuff like that too, because it's just like that, the reprogramming of all the things that we've been taught. And maybe you guys can really speak to that and understand like from the Christian perspective, there's so much 
shame and fear and guilt that has to be reprogrammed from from those things like shame for our bodies as women fear that you know we're gonna go to hell like i remember having nightmares when i was a child of like satan chasing me around Mm-hmm. I was six, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell was going on? I don't know if you guys have any similar, like, experiences to that, but, like, really being scared and really, like, grow- having – it took a decade of me for me to reprogram, like, the, the guilt and the shame and all of those things. And mm-hmm. so now these tools are really near and dear to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Save my life. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know for myself growing up, you know, Catholic and I think Agnes too, like, I feel like a lot of my childhood was stolen from me because I was so terrified of going to hell and I was so terrified of the devil and so terrified of myself because I was taught not to trust Mm -hmm. myself because my desires, my thoughts, my feelings were all these temptations that were going to lead me to hell. And so I was so terrified. And I think now that I'm in my early Mm thirties and like I microdose mushrooms and, you know, I eat healthier. I try to get out in nature more. I feel like I'm trying to like reclaim that childhood that was lost, like get in connect, like in touch with that inner child and like reparent and heal that inner child again, that was lost from all that religious trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's this constant preaching of the fear of God. So I went to a Catholic high school where that was like, they, like they thought the concept of fearing God was like the most virtuous thing that a religious person could have, which even I at that point was like horrified that they wanted their followers to be afraid of their God. And they had this whole philosophy about, um, well, if you fear God, then you'll like listen to him and like realize that he's correct or he's righteous and all these other things. And lately, right now in one of my college classes, I'm taking a class on ethics and it's made me really think about the whole concepts of like morality and philosophy and all that good stuff. And I started thinking about um, when I left religion, I can't remember, like maybe three or four years ago, um, I had like lost like kind of like the like all of the sense of like right and wrong right so you have your basic sense of like you don't kill people you don't steal you don't do like the basic bad things you don't break the law but you kind of like when it comes to like human relationships and like the way that I conduct myself like I like you have such a warped sense of what is right and what is wrong and you just like have a really hard time like understanding and so I'm sure like maybe you guys can understand like when I left religion I went through this really awkward year of just like (laughs) making bad bad decisions like maybe not doing like the best maybe like hurting other people not knowing how to like uphold healthy relationships And the great thing about like finding a spiritual life is that you start to kind of rewrite like the 10 commandments for yourself and you start to like recreate this list of morality. And as time goes on and in this point in my life right now, I've kind of realized like, holy shit, like my sense of, of like ethics, morality, like what's right or wrong is like personalized and not in like a selfish way like well this is what I think is right or wrong but in a way that's like better for the relation like like the community like everybody around me and that's what I'm hearing so much like especially in your retreat of just like helping women be being able to rewrite that list of like what do I deem as right like how do I want to treat other people how do I want to be treated and 
unfortunately, religion doesn't think that. They think that these commandments that were written on a rock several thousand years ago, you know, tells me how to build like loving and healthy relationships with myself and with other people and with God. So I don't know. That's just food for thought. It's, yeah. I think ethics and morality is like the root of all of this. And it's just so important for us to be educated on it. Oh, yes. And like question your beliefs all mm, through your life. Like absolutely. why, why do I believe what I believe? And if we aren't questioning what we believe, then it gets stale and it gets to be, we get, we get to be like those crusty old people that just like are stuck in their ways, you know? Um, and, and there has to be room for like gray areas, you know? And I think Christianity, I mean, you said you had a year of acting badly. I think I had close to a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had Margaret oh to God. guide me. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's good. Because like, whoa, like this girl went off the deep end. I was like blackout drunk. I was so angry. I was protesting like crazy. I was, man, I, I, oh my gosh. I I was very like, I'm like agnostic. Like, I don't know if there's a God. I don't care if there's a God. I don't want to talk about God. You know, like, I don't want to talk about this anymore, you know, but it took me coming back to the earth and understanding like native ways, like native American ways of, of, of interacting with the earth and spirituality to be like, oh, this is my version. This makes sense to me. This it stirs up my ancestors inside of me. It makes me feel excited. I love the community. I love that we are honoring everything that we give offering because that is like, you know, we're, when we ask for something, we give something. It's not just about taking, you know, and Christianity's taken a lot from a lot of people, you know, lives. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I'm all like this decolonized decolonize yourself oh it's powerful it's powerful to like come out of it and then look back and reflect on it and see that version of yourself and then see your journey out out of it you know and and all that you've learned and all the pieces of you that you gain along the way even if it hurts even if it's kind of feels feels confusing or or fearful or or you're shirking your you're stripping layers you know as you come out of this um dogma you know Mm -hmm. it's you're stripping layers down and finding who you really are and what it sounds like you're saying is that's the feeling of being alive (laughs) it's crazy (laughs) i would just go full circle (laughs) all the way back around all the way back around (laughs) yeah (laughs) for real oh i love that is good Well, Joy, Joy, before we jump into some of our fun questions, is there anything else you want to share about the work you're doing now? Where can our listeners find you? Like, what are your social media? Um, How can they look into your retreat? Like, all that stuff. Okay, well, thank you. Um, My name on Instagram is sunkissedrenegade. Um, And if you go there, you're going to see I have, like, some breathwork tools, all kinds of different things. Um, and there's a link to, um, jump on a call with me. If you want to work with me in any of these aspects, if you want to come to the retreat, we can chat. If you want to come into my mentorship program, you can chat. Um, I will be offering uh, a really fun, like seven day breathwork program starting September 11th to 17th. That's going to be really accessible. And that's going to be like an introduction to pranayama. So I don't know if this is going to air before or after that. 
but um, it will be available. Um, so go to my Instagram. That's the best way to get a hold of me. There's also a link there to email me. Um, and, uh, and, and there will be a link there to, to see more about the retreat as well for my link tree. That's the best way. All right. Perfect. Uh, and my, my, a couple, couple of things I would like to say before. <laughs> yeah. Is go barefoot, walk on the earth. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I already do that. Love it. And go hug trees. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Perfect. You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. All right. Time, time for some fun questions. So, Joy, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Mm, oh, my God. Flying. Yeah, for sure flying. I've thought about this a lot before because my friend – I've had friends say, like, oh, I read people's minds. I'm like, literally, I'd rather die than read people's minds. Right? <laughs> like, I I don't want to know what's going on in any of those minds, but to be able to like cruise above and just see things from the Eagle's perspective, like to me, that would be great. And then you get places really quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. For For free. (laughs) For free. For free. Yeah. No more airline. No more. You could be doing this in person. I could have just flown over to Mm y'all. Yeah. And then I don't, I don't know if this question makes any sense, but do you have like a favorite yoga position or like a favorite, I don't know, interpret that however way you want. Cause I may have asked the question. <laughs> like, what is your favorite position? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'll stay PG with that. Um, so <laughs> I, I mean, I love Shavasana. Like it's like we, we work through all these asanas and we work through like even breath work and stuff so that we can relax in a good way right and to me that's what that's what it's all about it's all for that so like being able to lay at the end and in shavasana is corpse pose so it's like you're you're dying to yourself you're dying to your old self and um yeah i'll work hard for an hour just to get there (laughs) that's good just to die (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love that. So I love how it's not even about one specific pose. There's the whole work up to that pose. You can't just lay down in the corpse pose and enjoy the fullness of it. You have to put in the work first to get there. Right. Right. And a lot of it is nervous system regulation. So we work with, in my lineage, we work with everything you're doing is to regulate your nervous system so that you can either meditate at the end or you can lay and relax at the end and you're, you're regulated. So even classes that like yin is kind of keeping you in this like lunar phase for your whole experience. You know, it's keeping you in this like more cool, calm, um, phase, but in a normal class, like a a regular Hatha class or a Vinyasa class, you're activating. So you're coming into your solar energy, but you always want to be bringing you back into that lunar phase so that you can, you're using these tools to regulate your nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's why, that's why it's the best. You're regulated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So here's a fun one. What is your favorite comfort food? (gasps) Macaroni and cheese. Mm. Oh, (laughs) me too. (laughs) I didn't even have to think about that. (laughs) didn't even have to think about it and you know what i'm a sick motherfucker that puts ketchup on that shit oh really (laughs) i love it (laughs) it's disgusting and i love it (laughs) man my mom used to get like the white the white cheddar one of your kids there's like a canadian brand that's like a it's like a no-name brand in canada like president's choice like 
And everybody knows, like, this is the legit one. This is, like, the white cheddar mac and cheese. So, like, that would be, my, like, my last supper, probably. <laughs> Sick. With ketchup on it. <laughs> and then what is bringing you the most joy right now in your life? Ooh. Um... Honestly, it's, it's, it's stepping into my service in a way that like, is just lighting me up because like I said, for a long time, I was just traveling and doing my own thing and kind of living for my own experiences. And now like even being here with you guys and like sharing and, and, um, tapping into like my, my inner wisdom, it makes me so happy. It gives me so much peace. I sleep really well and, and I get to share this and I get to like, you know, like I said, I wanted to be a professor at some point. So I think I always kind of wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for a long time, I just left all of that. And I was just traveling and bartending, you know, and, and that that's fine. And that was my process. But now I feel like I'm actually doing what, you know, God or the God inside wants me to be doing. And I've never felt so joyful as, as when I can, I can share this and I can teach breath work or I can teach yoga or I can work with one of my clients and like they, you know, they, one of them told me the other day, she's like, you know, ever since I've been practicing gratitude like this, even when I'm swimming through shit, I still have a smile on my face. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) we're winning. We're doing it. (laughs) That brings me joy. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. All right. And then the big question, what three songs elicit the strongest emotions from you? Whoa, so I had to really sit with this. <laughs> and the one, one, maybe you guys can relate to this, but the one that was like first and foremost, and I, it is hard. Um, unquestionably, Amazing Grace is like the most, um, trend, like a song that will make me cry almost every time. It mm-hmm. was like a song that I loved at church and um, my grandmother loved, so I would sing to her. And I sang it a cappella at her funeral. So like there, when I sing it, when, when I hear it or if someone just like starts to play it on guitar like instantly like I can choke up you know like it reminds me of my grandmother and the good memories of those days in the church because I loved the music that was one part of the church that I loved was the music and um so I love that you guys are like so into music too and then I had to think because I was like okay I love Led Zeppelin and Lauryn Hill these are my two favorite artists so what song like kind of not polar opposites but super different what songs of it that um what songs specifically make like tingle my heart and for me like led zeppelin is the ultimate rock and roll like they oh, make yeah. love songs sound so fucking sexy you know like <laughs> there's love songs and it's so rock and roll so i like sat with it and i was like okay going to california you know when that guitar riff just starts like it's like this soft beautiful thing that grabs onto my heart and starts me imagining me driving in the 70s to to California with an aching in my heart you know (laughs) and then Lauryn Hill I could take the whole miseducation album that would be my album that if I went on a deserted island I would take the miseducation of Lauryn Hill like for sure but um to Zion that that song with Santana playing guitar in it like now the joy of my world is in Zion. Talking about the joy. <laughs> now we dance. <laughs> and now we dance. Watching, 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 watching. <laughs> so that brings me joy. <laughs> oh, I love that. Love that. 
And before we close out with our episode, I always like to end with a good gratitude prompt. So Joy, today, what are you grateful for? Oof, I'm grateful for this tree that I'm looking at right in front of me right here. It always sits with me during meditation. I am grateful for you guys. Thank you so much for bringing me on here. Thank you so much for um, standing up and speaking out and really like being so authentic in what you're producing and in what the information that you're bringing to the world, to women, being bringing this like unrefined aspect, untaming ourselves because that's how we set ourselves free. And I think you guys are doing such an incredible job. Uh, doing that. I love your episodes. Aww. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Aww, thank, <laughs> thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you're and doing awesome. What thank about you. you, Margaret? What are you grateful for today? Um, Today, I think I'm grateful for the rain because it's actually coming from Nevada. Like it doesn't rain a lot. And now that I'm here in Dallas, like we're having more rain and today is like my day off and we're, we're sitting here recording this podcast and that's giving me so much joy, but I'm also hearing the rain outside and it just makes me feel so like warm and cozy inside. So I'm really grateful for that. Agnes, how about you? What are you grateful for today? Yeah. What about you, Agnes? (laughs) Hmm. Whenever I ask this, I'm just like, my mind goes blank. But today I think I am grateful for the month of August because I was doing a environmental science project for one of my college classes. And I was just like, you know, measuring the, the days and the, how many like light hours there are in the day. And I noticed like the days are getting shorter and that makes me sad because I love when the days are long. I don't like short days, but it just makes me so grateful for the month of August. Like, um, do you guys know the song August by Taylor Swift? <laughs> it's, oh my God, yeah, I'm not to send it to you because it's, it's like, it is like one of the most popular songs from like the last two years (laughs) but this song is just so good and it just like celebrates the month of august and i feel like there's something so beautiful about the month of august because we've just enjoyed this whole long summer of heartbreak and fun experiences and just all these things that we've had over the summer and now it's like closing and now we're going on to the next chapter and the school year is starting and I just feel like there's just something and the name August is just it rolls off the tongue and right now it's like we're kind of coming the near like near the end of August and I'm just very grateful for this month I love that. Yeah. August is dope. Yeah. Some people call it the dog days of summer, you know, like those hot, it's like oh, getting to the end. I heard like, that. So like hot. Yeah. But I think that's mm-hmm. what's so beautiful about it. Like, I don't know, whenever I think about just like boring old like days, like I just find so much like appreciation for that. Cause like growing mm-hmm. up, I was homeschooled. So like my whole, my whole life was just like a blur of just like the same shit every day. Oh, <laughs> so man. I did, but like now I'm able to like look back and just see such like a, like a love for just like that experience of like long, boring, depressing days. But like you're by, you're with your family and you're in your home. And I don't know, it's just like this weird nostalgic feeling. Oh, I love nostalgia. Yeah. What? And there's that Florence and the Machine song. The dog days are over. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, <September>. yeah. <laughs> for September. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's for September. Yeah. <laughs> well joy thank you so much for coming on our podcast i'm so grateful 
I'm so grateful for y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Much love. We believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things. Wherever you are, if you are able, close your eyes, take a deep breath in and out, and reflect on something that you are grateful for today. We are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today, and we hope you have a beautiful week. If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username unrefinedwoman, and on Instagram at unrefinedwomanpodcast. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.